one thing, and this this is across the board. This would be from from the the people with the young families, uh, maybe even you know single people, uh, young single people, all the way up through the the retirees. One thing is there are a tremendous amount of government benefit programs that are available out there that often people have no concept of. They don't even know that they exist. Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is a podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, and also coach, uh, TEDx and keynote speaker, and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all kinds of information related to wellness-related topics, including positive psychology, my own specific uh, spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, uh, rejuvenating, and it's also the place to contact me and even suggest guests for future podcasts. As listeners to the podcast know, my hope is to continually provide you with people who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and have different ways of helping us to become the best versions of ourselves that we can be. And one of the easiest and most effective ways of doing that is to make sure that we uh, can afford the kind of lifestyle that we're living and hopefully can uh, look forward to maintaining a high quality of life uh, for as long as we live. And hopefully that'll be a long, long time, no matter what age we are. And, um, our guest today is going to help us do that, help us talk about money and how we can relate to it in a way that makes us maybe less having to worry about it for, for quite a while. John K. Ross is the founder of one of the largest boutique estate planning and, and asset protection law firms in Texas. Uh, was founded with the singular goal to be the best resource in the community for estate planning, elder law, and asset protection. John's team now covers over 40 counties in Texas and Arkansas. And since graduating from law school, he has had a distinguished leading legal career handling sophisticated matters for a broad range of clients from the very poor to the very wealthy. Uh, he's a nationally re uh, recognized expert in estate planning, asset protection, and taxation. Uh, John has assisted countless families in all sorts of ways, such as designing asset protection strategies for high-risk individuals, helping the elderly protect their life savings from nursing home costs, and developing plans for disabled individuals including special needs trusts to maximize their quality of life and to preserve needed resources. Uh, John uh, is uh, also has a podcast, the uh, Big Picture Retirement Podcast, and he previously hosted uh, 
Aging Insight on KTFS Fox Radio. And so without further ado, John, I'd like to welcome you to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Yeah, super excited to be here, Ron. This is great. Great. Well, let's get into it. Uh, All right. This is, uh, we're living in a time when money is on everybody's minds. I mean, there's, uh, the economy seems to be going all over the place in uncontrolled ways. And uh, we're just uh, into our uh, finishing tax time. Uh, everybody's kind of concerned about money. And it just seems like uh, today's economy is just worse in worse shape than it, it's ever been. Is that accurate or? I think it is. You know, I mean, everybody knows inflation is out of control. If you've bought a dozen eggs recently, you you certainly felt that pain. And and I would say that this particularly hits the the retiree community. You know, you budget your your retirement years based on what you anticipate your income and and things like that being. And then all of a sudden, everything costs more. And if everything costs more, that uh, that Social Security check just doesn't go as far as uh, maybe you thought it was going to. That pension's not going to go as far. You know, you I think almost everybody in the last year or so saw about a 20 to 40 percent drop in their 401ks or, or IRAs. And and that means that's not going to go as far. And so, yeah, the uh, the there's a lot of concern, particularly in that retiree market, about how am I going to make it to the end, and particularly what happens if something unexpected happens, something big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a scary time. Well, are you going to uh, tell us how to be less scared then? <laughs> Things we can do. Uh, let, let me try and break it down uh, by asking number one. I mean, you've obviously talked about retirees, uh, and I, I'm certainly concerned uh, for you know those listeners who are in either approaching or are in retirement. But also, uh, what about you know people who are trying to raise young families uh, on on incomes that don't go as far as they used to be. Yeah, you know, so so a couple of things on on that. One thing and this this is across the board. This would be from from the the people with the young families, uh, maybe even, you know, single people, uh young single people all the way up through the the retirees. One thing is there are a tremendous amount of government benefit programs that are available out there that often people have no concept of. They don't even know that they exist. They often make assumptions related to whether or not they would qualify for any sort of government assistance programs. Most of the time, those assumptions are just wholly made up. They've just decided for themselves, oh, well, I probably wouldn't qualify, so no business, no reason to even investigate. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yet, whether you're talking about maybe a a a children's health insurance program, um, you know, if if 
if the cost of health insurance for those young kids is is a, a financial burden on the family, well, if you can relieve that through a, a children's health insurance program, that can be a, a, a big deal. Uh, on the flip side, if you're an older American and the cost of food is hitting you, you know, looking at the uh, the the food programs that are available for the sixty five and up crowd um, through the uh, through the area agencies on aging, hmm. you know. So so there's you know, and all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, if if I didn't have to pay, you know, uh, seven dollars for that dozen eggs, um, you know, well then maybe uh, maybe that that money can go a little bit further if I don't have to drop the $300 for that kid's health insurance every month. And, and, and now all of a sudden I've got a little free money. Maybe I can even put back a little savings. So probably one of the first things is, is look at the benefits that are available out there. There are just a tremendous amount that, uh, you know, and again, I, when I talk to people every day, I, they just don't know that there's things that are out there that they just don't even know exist. And, and then all of a sudden, I, you know, I tell them, I'm like, well, did you know about this? Well, no, I've never even heard about that. Boy, that's, that's amazing because I'm sure that this is really new information. So is it, uh, it's a logical place to start, uh, other than going to somebody like yourself, is 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 there a, a website or a, uh, an organization or some some place to start if you haven't heard about it to see if well yeah so I mean most of your uh, uh, most of your your need based assistance programs are probably going to come through your state's uh, your state's Department of Health and Human Services. Um, every state is going to have a a state Department of Health and Human Services. They may have a very they may have a different name for it, um, you know. But but generally speaking, and they'll all have a website. They'll all have any you know some better to navigate than others. But that can certainly be a, a place to start. Um, if you're uh, if you're talking about the the older crowd, um, almost every city even small cities, uh, but almost every metropolitan service area is going to have an area agency on aging. And that that organization's entire job is to discuss government programs that are available to seniors for free. Uh, you know whether that's a whether that's a a meal program or a housing assistance or you know any one of the laundry list of acronyms like the QMB or SLMB. Uh, these are programs where you know uh, you get your Medicare premium paid for by uh, by you know Medicaid or or something like that, right? And again, if you're living on a Social Security check alone and you can save the $160 that they're deducting before that thing ever hits your bank account, that can be a huge windfall to that person. No, that's really good to know. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that. The uh, I'm old enough to know that uh, these kinds of times don't go on forever. There are, uh, there are better times in the economy. And Let's assume we get through this, and uh, and and even currently, if somebody is doing doing reasonably well, uh, 
what what are your recommendations in general? I know you can't give specific advice, but in general, what should a person do uh, to be able to to be in better shape when they reach the older age ranges? I know that that there were many many years when I was working when it seemed like it was just impossible to put money away if you're raising kids and uh, working. I mean, I'm still working, but kids are are well beyond college age and things of that nature. But uh, but I'm just wondering, uh, what advice can you give to somebody who, you know, is, isn't wealthy, but also wants to keep living for a while? Right. Well, uh, particularly on the from a legal standpoint, the one thing that I think people have a tendency to to not want to discuss is their own fragility. You know, we we humans are fragile little creatures, and and you know, we're all one car wreck away from becoming incapacitated. Um, but particularly as you're aging. You're gonna, you know, your your risk of of stroke, your risk of heart attack, your risk of developing Alzheimer's, um, and some of these sort of things start obviously going up quite a bit. And I think one of th there's kind of two components that a lot of people don't really appreciate. One is having some very basic things in place that would allow somebody to speak on your behalf if you become incapacitated. And, you know, I don't know, Ron, if you've ever tried to call the phone company or the electric company and only to find out that that account is in your spouse's name and they won't talk to you. They say, oh, well, we've got a, we've got a, you know, if I want to get a new cell phone, I have to take my wife to Verizon because she set up the account and they won't talk to me. <laughs> You know, and and while that's while that's horribly inconvenient right now, it would be an even bigger deal if my wife had had a stroke and she was never going to speak again. And and because you can certainly imagine if Verizon is that serious that they won't even talk to the spouse of somebody, then how serious is Medicare going to be? The insurance company, uh, my wife's pension company, uh, her health insurance company, and all the other people that we kind of take for granted that we can deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And and so if if my wife becomes incapacitated, either one, I already have some things in writing that would give me the power to handle business on her behalf, a, a durable power of attorney, uh, maybe a power of attorney for health care, you know, things that would allow me to make financial decisions and business decisions on her behalf. And in many cases, I could find decent enough versions of those on the internet for free, right? Um, in fact, many states have what they call a statutory power of attorney, meaning that the, the you're your state's legislators have created a form document that you can print off, fill in the blanks, get it witnessed or notarized based on whatever your state rules are, and you've got something. Now, so so that's that's effectively free. And even if you use a professional attorney, you're probably not going to spend but, you know, a hundred, couple hundred bucks or something on getting some powers of attorney in place, right? Now, compare that to I didn't have any of those sort of things. My wife has had this 
catastrophic brain injury from a car wreck or uh, a, a health incident like a stroke that's left her mentally unable. And now, because I don't have the power to handle stuff for her, I'm going to have to go to court. I'm going to have to petition the court to declare her legally incompetent. The court's going to appoint an attorney to represent her rights just to make sure that I'm not trying to financially abuse her or anything, even though we've been married for 20 years or however, 40 years or whatever the length of time is. So now I've got my lawyer I'm, pay, I'm paying. I've got the court lawyer that I'm also paying. And, and I'm going to do all of this just so I can get a piece of paper signed by a judge that says I can now act on her behalf. Hmm. You know, I'm in currently, as I sit here today, I'm in rural East Texas. Um, you know, this is a not a, a this is a, cost of living wise. We're in the low part. You know, probably 80 percent of the national average as far as uh, cost of living goes. And yet a guardianship uncontested, everybody's in agreement, simple, easy, breezy, probably somewhere between five to $10,000 in legal expenses. Wow. Or I could have gotten some powers of attorney off the internet for free. Hmm. Well, that is something. Well, that's a huge deal, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, you, you were asking about like, uh, you know, age range, and you've got a, a, a wide range of people. You know what my kids get for their 18th birthday? They get a durable power of attorney and a medical power of attorney. <laughs> but, you know, the first time you have to sit down with some parents whose 19-year-old child was in a car wreck at the University of Arkansas, and he has a brain injury, and they can't talk to his apartment people, they can't talk to the university. They can't talk to their own health insurance company because that would be a violation of HIPAA, even though their son is on their own insurance. Wow. But they don't have anything in writing from the son that gives them permission. And he's an adult the minute he turned 18. And so... You know, something like that can create a financial catastrophe that that nobody and it, it's so easily avoided okay. by just having some very basic legal papers in in place. That raises a whole bunch of questions. First, I, I, I do have to assume I assume that that when you talk about your wife being potentially fragile, I don't think you're or I or anybody else is immune from that. So I assume you have the same, she has the same uh, power of attorney over you. Uh, That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm not Superman. I, <laughs> and even if I was, somebody might hang some kryptonite around my neck. And in which case I still need the powers of attorney. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's, it's real important. Some families have just one breadwinner, but it doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of health related decisions that require, you know, that everything be in place for, for both spouses. And... Well, that's right. And, and I mean, if we carry this down, we'll take it, let's take it one step further then. And let's say that, okay, my wife did have that stroke and, and maybe I've got the powers of attorney in place, but here's, what's going to happen. You know, she'll go to the hospital. She'll, she'll be in the ER. She'll go to the ICU. She'll go to an admission room. 
maybe from the admission room, she goes to a, a inpatient rehabilitation. But if she's still not better, then she'll go to skilled nursing rehabilitation. That's rehabilitation at a nursing home. And depending on your insurance or whether you have Medicare and things like that, insurance or Medicare, it might pay for some rehabilitation at that nursing home, maybe for another month or two. Uh, Medicare is going to cap out at 100 days um, of, of coverage. And let's say that she's still not better. And, and if she wants to come home or if I want to bring her home, well, I can't take care of her 24 hours a day. I've got a job. I've got obligations. I've got employees. So I'm going to need to hire people to do that. Well, in-home care providers, non-medical, just sitters, basically, you're talking $20, $25 an hour for something like that. And again, I'm talking Texas numbers. I'm not talking New York City numbers. Um, what about maybe she needs assisted living? And again, now you're talking $4,000 a month. And that's, again, East Texas numbers, not San Francisco numbers or Chicago numbers. And, and maybe she needs to stay at that nursing home, which, depending on where you are in the country, is going to range from $200 a day to four to $500 a day. You know, So on the best case scenario, you're spending $5,000 a month at that nursing home. And I mean, my wife is 52 years old, otherwise perfectly healthy. So if she's in this position and, uh, you know, and she could potentially still live for another, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, even being severely incapacitated. Well, if I'm burning resources at $6,000 a month, I don't care who you are. Unless your last name is Bezos or something like that, you're going to run out of money. And that's a reality for a lot of people. If you reach age 85, the statistical likelihood of you being incapacitated prior to death is 90%. It's going to happen. You know, and 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 so what people don't ever seem to think about is how are they going to pay for that? Um, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a lot of money. Sure. Well, between the two of us, uh, I hope that, that I'm helping people to stay active and healthy long enough. And, and hopefully you're, you're my backup plan is, uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You, you, you keep them healthy. And then if it, if it doesn't work out, but you know, that, that kind of comes back to, I would encourage people to say, okay, you know, if you're, if you were to find yourself to be incapacitated or catastrophically injured or something like that, how would you pay for your care? Because the, there's only three options. You could have long-term care insurance, which very, very few people have, uh, partly because it's prohibitively expensive for most people. Um, the second option is just to pay cash, which again, given the extreme cost right now and the fact that that cost is rising faster than any other costs even general health care costs long-term care costs are, are exceeding that as far as inflation rates so paying cash is not going to be an option for most people so that leaves we're back to government assistance programs 
things like Medicaid, Medicaid, or if you're in California, Medi-Cal, those are the only programs that pay for that sort of stuff. But people have no idea. Well, Ron, I'll give you an example. Let's say I got two different people and I'm sitting here in Texas. So one guy comes to me, his wife's had a stroke. She's in the nursing home. And I start asking the guy, I say, well, tell me about your house. And he says, well, I live in a, a million dollar house and uh, uh, or I live in a half a million dollar house. I got a million dollars in my IRA and I drove up here today in a Ferrari. All right. And then I have another little old lady come in and and her husband's going to the nursing home. And I ask her and she says, well, I live in this little $50,000 house and we have a small rental property down the street. Uh, the renters pay about 300 bucks a month. Uh, I've got about $10,000 in my checking account and I drive a 1998 uh, Mercury Grand Marquis that's got a 275,000 miles on it. Now, between those two people, which one of them qualifies for Medicaid, right? <laughs> the rich guy. What? If you're looking at, and I'm talking specifically about Texas Medicaid, for example, but Texas Medicaid does not count the value of a home up to $635,000. That number's over a million if you're in New York. Um, so his big house doesn't count. A car of unlimited value doesn't count. So his Ferrari doesn't count. And Texas doesn't count the value of retirement accounts. So his million dollar IRA doesn't count. So the three assets he has are non-countable assets for purposes of Medicaid eligibility. But now this other lady, well, her house also doesn't count. Her old busted car doesn't count, but she owns a rent house. And that rent house would be a countable asset. And so here's 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 a here's here's two people. One is is by any standards doing very well for themselves, and here's another lady who, by most standards, is not doing very well. And yet, it's the in this case the poor one that can't qualify for Medicaid, and the rich one that can. And I bet if you grabbed either of these two people off the street. And said, "Hey, if you ever, if you or your wife ever have a stroke and you have to go to the nursing home, uh, w- you know, would you be able to qualify for Medicaid?" Well, the rich person would have said, "No, I've got too much money." The poor person would have said, "Yeah, I'm broke." And so, what I would want people to do is, you need to know how those rules impact you, and you need to know that while you're healthy, you don't want to find this out when your loved one is in the nursing home. All right, well, that brings up, again, a whole series of questions, uh, one of which is, uh, God, there's so many. <laughs> well, let me make my statement first, because we have, we've done very, uh, a lot of dumb things money-wise, but we did get long-term care insurance when we were maybe in our 40s, early 50s, or something like that. So it's not prohibitive for us, but it has gone up. It was level for like decades, I think, and then it's been going up every year. Uh, Still, still pretty affordable compared to if we wanted to get it, you know, nowadays. Um, But the other questions really deal with, uh, given what you said, and you've been very generous about pointing out free things and online and with the government. Uh, but when 
does somebody need to go to a professional? Uh, you know, what what kinds of things do we go to professional for? And there are several kinds of people. They're, they're, you're an attorney, they're accountants, they're financial planners. Uh, an elder law attorney, is that basically someone you go to when you're older? Is it somebody who helps you plan to get there? Uh, you know, there's a fair amount of confusion when you need it, what you need, and so on. Um, and I guess an associated question is, um, I think, well, I, I shouldn't assume anything, but I think most people have heard about the importance of having a will. Uh, but at, at what point do you need to start thinking about more sophisticated instruments and stuff like that? Because I think if it was just a will, you, that you can probably do online if, if it's fairly simple and you don't have lots of different uh, dependents who some you regard differently than others or, or anything to complicate. So I don't know if you can remember my questions, maybe you can try. Yeah, well, so a couple of things on that. So one, I, you know, I've often kind of made the joke that if you are single, have no children and broke, well, you don't, you probably don't need anything at all. Um, <laughs> you're, you're probably good. But if you answer yes to any one of those three questions, if you're single but have money, if you're not very wealthy but you have a spouse or children, um, then you have some some maybe basic estate planning needs, but you're going to have some needs. Maybe it's those young children and we need to plan for who's going to be their guardian in the event of your untimely death. You know, a lot of my young parents they're they will they would be wealthier in death than they are currently because their youth and health allow them to have big life insurance policies um so right now they don't really have much they 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 paycheck to paycheck and all of that but they're able to drop that hundred dollars a month on a one million dollar term life insurance policy well you Better have planned for that landing in the hands of little Timmy. Um, you know, so all of a sudden, yeah, now you you may really need something more than just a a simple will because we need to have a trust for that kid. We need to have identified who's going to manage it, how old the kid can be before they can manage it themselves. You know, there's a lot of issues that go on now. Um, same thing if you have a spouse. And certainly once you start accumulating assets. Um, so so with all of those things, most people, once they get into adulthood and they, they've got a little money or a little family or something, they're going to need some level of planning. And obviously, I'm going to be a bit biased based on the fact that I do this for a living. But there's just not much to compare with my 20 years of experience in dealing with thousands and thousands of families that I can bring to the table when that, you know, 10,000 and first family walks into the door, I've got the experience of 10,000 others behind me to, to be able to identify potential issues, solutions. And so finding somebody that really does know what they're talking about that this is their specialty. Um, 
you know, in the, in the medical field, they've done a real good job of, well, you go to your family practice doctor if you have a cold, but if that family practice doctor notices a, a something on your skin that he thinks might be cancer, he sends you to an oncologist. The oncologist maybe cuts a little piece of it and sends it to a pathologist who tests it, right? So you have all these specialties. And that oncologist knows everything about oncology and nothing about neurology. Um, and, and in the legal field, I will say that these days, the law is so complicated that there is really no possible way you, a person could be a general practitioner any longer and be doing any sort of really decent service to anybody. Um, so, you know, this is not the conversation to have with the guy that did your divorce in 1989 or that got your kid out of a DWI five years ago, right? This is the time to get the guy that lives and breathes the estate planning world. Um, yeah, we call it, um, you know, when it when it comes to a lot of these, the combination of the law and the tax and, and stuff, and particularly as it guides you through retirement, we do call that, quote, elder law. But people will ask me all the time, how old do I need to be to see an elder law attorney? Well, 18. <laughs> 18 is the minimum. Um, you know, and because, again, it, it, it doesn't have to be don't have to be elderly to to need the kind of advice that somebody like me has um as far as and and you i mean you mentioned accountants um you know having a team of uh you know i have a i have a trusted accountant even though i'm a uh, an accountant as well and my wife's a cpa lawyer um but you know we still have an, a trusted accountant that we can run things past we have a financial advisor that we can run things past. I have an insurance agent that I can run things past. I have a banker that I can run things past. And, and so having kind of a trusted team of experts that that are available to you can be, uh, that can be a huge benefit. And at least as far as the, uh, as far as people like me, there is the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. N-A-E-L-A, -E and uh, they have a website, so it's neela.org, and right on the top of the page, it says, find an elder law attorney. You can go on there, put in your zip code, and it'll give you a list of, of elder law attorneys that, that are devoting at least 80% of their practice into this field of estate planning, long-term care planning, asset protection, things like that. Okay. We'll have a lot of this information in the show notes, so we'll be able to do it. Uh, so I guess you answered what my next question would have been, which is, uh, I know that attorneys are licensed in states and presumably uh, uh, you limit the number of states that you're licensed in. So if somebody uh, in Pennsylvania where I live or in you know some other state, uh, other than Texas or Arkansas, uh, is looking for somebody like you. That that's the place to start with. The that would be a that would be a good place to start. People are also free to reach out to me directly. I've, I have people because I do a lot of podcasts and because I did the radio show and some things like that. I'll have people from all over the country sometimes that'll email me and they'll just say, "Hey, John, I live in uh, you know Boise." Um, 
is there a is there somebody like you in my area that you could refer me to? And um, often I can, you know, I can I'm, often I'll just go to the NILA website and I'll look up a couple. I'm often then following through a little bit to maybe look at their bio, see if it looks like somebody that uh, really does know what they're doing. Maybe they've been at it for a little while and they're not the newbie that's a little green. Um, you know, I was green at one point too, and I get that, but there's, again, there's just something to be said for some experience under the belt. Great. Um, okay, we're getting close on time, but there's something I just, uh, I, I'm always curious, particularly in a field like yours that I could I, I certainly couldn't talk about it as excitedly as you do. Uh, so I always wonder how people get into what, what is their journey to get to be who you are. So can before we quit, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're doing what you're doing? Well, yeah, real quick. I, so I, I got a degree in accounting and I went to law school because I wanted to be a tax attorney. Uh, and and in learning about tax law, I learned about estate planning, particularly related to high net worth people. And one of the big things related to that was trusts and trust design. And so when I came out of law school and I got my first job, I had I had kind of made myself a bit of an expert in trust design, again, particularly for high net worth and, and estate planning. And then I got a call one day from a couple of plaintiff's attorneys, and they represented this man who had tried to beat a train on his bicycle. And he lost. Um, that's a bad battle to, to, to fight. Uh, the, the young man had lost both of his arms at the shoulder and one leg at the mid-thigh. And so he's a triple amputee. This was somehow, and I don't do that kind of work, but this was somehow the railroad's fault. And, uh, and so there was going to be a large settlement. And so they called me and they said, John, you're the expert in trusts. This poor kid is on SSI. He's on Medicaid. The government programs pay for somebody to come over and brush his teeth in the morning because he's got no arms. You know, if I mean, if we get him a million dollar settlement and he loses the government benefits, he'll be out of money in in in, you know, a year. He'll burn a million dollars in a year. Easy. And uh, and they said, so is there some sort of trust or something you, you could do? And I said, yes, because I was overconfident and had no idea what I was talking about. And uh, um, but it seemed like surely there had to be a way. And so I dug into these rules and and sure enough, there was, in fact, a way. And so I created a trust. I still will occasionally run into this young man who who uh, is able to to live somewhat independently, still has the government benefits, but has access to this money to provide himself a quality of life. And right after I had that conversation, I had a couple, uh, right after I solved that problem, I had a couple come in, older couple, and husband and wife. And the wife said to me, John, my mother had Alzheimer's. My dad had Alzheimer's. My aunt has Alzheimer's. I'm probably going to get Alzheimer's. And I've watched all of them go through every penny they've ever had. I don't want to be in that same situation. Is there something we can do? And I just realized, wow, I spent the last two months making myself an expert in government benefit programs to try to solve it for this guy. And here's somebody 
who needs that same advice and doesn't know the answer. And then I started thinking about how many people are out there that are going to be moving into retirement, especially with the baby boomers, because this was 20 years ago. And I uh, I grabbed one of the other attorneys in that firm that I was working at and uh, uh, that I, she I really trusted her. And and I said, you know what? We need to start a whole firm that does nothing but cater to the needs of these people. We need to learn everything we can about Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security and taxes and estate planning and wills and trusts and bring all of that information out to the people. And that's all we'll do. We won't do anything else but that. And she said, that sounds like a crazy great idea. Um, and so with two laptops and a card table, we started the Ross and Schulmeyer firm. And uh, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're now one of the largest boutique uh, firms out there with seven offices across two states. And, and uh, it's it's been a heck of a journey, but it's been one of the most rewarding things I could have possibly done. I have I have helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people over the years, either directly or, or via the other attorneys in my firm now. And, and that's just a wonderful deal. It's, it's the only area of law that I know of where you get to help people without hurting anybody else in the process. Well, that's, that's great. It's really, really exciting to see you so excited about the work that you do. And, uh, as I said, we, you know, we we want to encourage people to grow older with enthusiasm, and uh, you know, so enthusiasm is the way that we like to see people lead their lives at whatever age, and and you're helping us to do that. Um, so as as we mentioned, uh, a couple of things. One is obviously not everybody has access to you, although I do want to uh, have. Uh, a couple of things going one if somebody is in in your area how do they reach you secondly what uh, what about online you've certainly implied that people can reach out to you and thirdly kind of the the podcasts which i'm sure people having heard you know that you can do a podcast and uh, have all kinds of information and yeah, so that you may have out there, let us let us know. And again, we'll include it in the show notes too. Sure. My 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 law firm website is is Ross and Schollmeyer, and it's just rossandschollmeyer.com. And you can find out we have a, a, a we have lots and lots of articles on there about estate planning, asset protection, wills and trusts, powers of attorney, all of that sort of stuff. Lots of good information there. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a co-host on the Big Picture Retirement Podcast. Uh, which also has a website, a bigpictureretirement.com. And one thing we have on there is a, a button that you can click where you can ask a question. And then about once a month, we do a listener questions episode where we answer those questions live uh, on the, on the show. And, and that's, a, those are a lot of fun. I love hearing from people and, and whatever questions they have. And again, you can reach me via the firm's email. Uh, you can, send a message through there and they'll get that message to me. And I, I do respond to all of the hundreds of e emails that I get every day. So uh, feel free, reach out. I'm, I love, I love to talk to people and help people. That's wonderful. And while I don't think people will, uh, will have any trouble spelling your name, uh, R-O-S-S, -S, but if I'm correct, I think your partner's 
name is spelled S-H-O-A-L-M-I-R-E, Schollmeyer. Schollmeyer, that's it. That's it, uh, which uh, I believe is German for uh, like Dirty River or something like that. Okay. I don't know if that helps to know it, but <laughs> hopefully uh, we won't have any trouble finding it. But John, I'm so grateful for how much you've shared with us, how much you've got us thinking, in some cases maybe a little scared, but uh, the good kind of scared that hopefully will make us act in ways that, that can help us, you know, deal with with something that's so universal, the, the need to deal with our finances. Uh, again, people are are living a long time. Uh, you know, if, if I was, uh, when I was born, uh, the average lifespan would have had me uh, out of here by, you know, decades ago, uh, term insurance companies have made tons of uh, of money on me, and I have nothing to show for it because the last time that I was up for a renewal, it would cost me more in a month than it used to cost for a year. Uh, so, uh, you know, we I, I know it's easy not to think about this stuff, but it's very important, and you made it about as painless to be able to to uh think about this stuff and and giving us great advice in doing so so thanks very much I, I absolutely happy to happy to do it great haven't run out of questions but i've run out of time so maybe we'll have to do it again sometime anytime great so in the meantime thanks very very much and this brings to close another episode of the rejuvenating with dr ron kaiser podcast I know it's been beneficial to so many of you. I hope you'll tell your friends about it and that you'll download it yourself, rate it, review it, and then be back next week when we have another really interesting guest uh, who can help us lead our own lives with enthusiasm, become the best versions of ourselves from probably a different perspective than today, but this was very, very important. In the meantime, I hope that you'll visit the mental health gym website and that you will be back next week and in the meantime everybody stay positive and stay safe and we'll see you the next time <laughs>